Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Good morning. Mounting toll. Overnight, new Russian attacks across Ukraine with bombings in a city once seen as a safe haven for refugees. President Biden blasting Vladimir Putin. Murderous dictator. A pure thug. And just this morning, a key phone call with China's President Xi on that nation's potential support of Russia's invasion. We're live at the White House. COVID concerns. Despite the steep decline in cases here in the United States, a new variant taking hold in Europe. So could we see yet another spike here? Will you need a fourth shot of the vaccine? We'll ask Dr. Zha, just named as the White House's point person on the pandemic. Stunning twist. Police reveal it was a 13-year-old boy behind the wheel of that pickup truck when it veered into oncoming traffic and crashed into a van carrying a college golf team. The very latest on the investigation straight ahead. All that plus on alert, parts of the South facing a major outbreak of severe weather, including possible tornadoes. Al's got everything you need to know to plan your weekend. The play of the day, and those hoops heroes are with us live today, Friday, March 18th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuppy. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And welcome. To today it's 7 a.m. on the West Coast on this Friday morning. Thank you so much for starting with us. Chanel and I are in while Savannah and Huda enjoy some time off. Good morning. We know a lot of basketball fans are enjoying those early March Madness upsets. Oh, yes. They are another highlight of the first round. That pair of Indiana cheerleaders who used their talents to rescue a ball after it became stuck in the backboard and delayed the game. They'll join us live in just a bit. Meanwhile, there's a tornado watch stretches stretching across parts of the South this morning. 21 million people under enhanced risk for severe storms heading into the weekend arrival of spring. Mr. Roker standing by with your full forecast coming up. But our top story once again, the war in Ukraine overnight, Russian forces targeting even more civilian sites, including dozens of health facilities, according to the World Health Organization. We're also learning about the death of an American citizen in Ukraine, Jim Hill. An Idaho native who is living there with his partner shot while waiting in a bread line. That's according to his sister. We've got it all covered this morning, but we start once again with NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel on the ground in Ukraine. Richard, good morning. Good morning, Craig. Russia continued its bombing campaign in this country, attacking in Kyiv, hitting this apartment compound at around 8 o'clock this morning. At least one person was killed. More than a dozen were injured. It could have been much, much worse. Many of the homes around here are completely destroyed all day. People have been coming to try and salvage what they can from their homes. And it wasn't just here. Also near Lviv, which has generally been considered a safe area, Russia attacked an aircraft uh, repair uh, depot not far from the airport in that city. And here they are still looking for injured and potentially more dead. In other circumstances, it would be called terrorism. 
attacking civilians in Kyiv this morning in their homes as they were waking for breakfast on purpose. But since a state did this, it's called yet another attack on a soft target. For Ukrainians, the result is the same. The attack happened around 8 o'clock in the morning, and it didn't just destroy one apartment building, but landed right in the center of a complex, destroying a playground and all the homes around it. In one apartment, a sink is covered in blood. More stains by the door, likely from the injured, making their way out. An elementary school in the compound was also damaged. So was a kindergarten and a supermarket. Salvaging what she could, Allah was still coming to terms with how her life was upended in an instant. I have no home now and nowhere to live. Where am I to go, she asked. With Russia's military offensive stalled and its troops suffering thousands of casualties to dogged Ukrainian resistance, Russia is lashing out at civilians in a punishing campaign of collective punishment. North of Kyiv, in hard-hit Chernihiv, the State Department confirmed an American was killed yesterday. He was identified by family and friends as Jimmy Hill from Minnesota. A teacher, he was in Ukraine to be with his partner, Irina, who has multiple sclerosis. He was searching for food when he died in a breadline, killed along with at least nine other people in Chernihiv. His sister spoke to NBC's affiliate in Minneapolis. My brother would spend like half of the year here and then the other half arranged in Ukraine and then getting teaching positions at different universities to do lectures and things like that so he could be with Ira in this last trip. He was getting special medicine organizing that. He really loved her so deeply. And it's, you know, um, in this world, it's hard to find like your soulmate. And that's how he referred to Ira as his soulmate. So many lives are being destroyed by this conflict. Even now, as peace talks do seem to be intensifying between Russia and Ukraine, with Turkey emerging as a key mediator. But based on what we're seeing here, it seems like any hopes for a ceasefire are still very far off. Craig? Our chief foreign correspondent, Richard Engel, once again for us on the mm. ground in Ukraine. Richard, thank you. Now to Ukraine's refugee crisis that the U.N. describes as growing exponentially by the day. More than three million people have already left the country, and that surge is not slowing down. NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez is in Lviv with that part of the story. Gabe, good morning. Chanel, good morning. This room holds children up to five years old, and they're sleeping not on cots, but on styrofoam. Now this is the train station. This is above the train station in, in Lviv and medical workers here are on standby to help these refugees deal with deep psychological trauma. And right now the UN estimates that one child is leaving Ukraine almost every second. From train stations to border crossings to churches, the largest refugee crisis since World War II is growing larger by the hour. <laughs> this woman escaped with her two dogs and little else as her home near Kiev was bombed. Do you know where you'll go with her? This mother tells me she's heading to Poland like most of these refugees. But the UN says the numbers are rising exponentially throughout Europe, in Romania, Moldova, Hungary, Slovakia and others. In all, a staggering 3.2 million people have already fled Ukraine in just weeks. <laughs> Reverend Igor Ivanishov 
calls it surreal, and he's stepping in to help. Why are you doing this? Well, if you go to the train station at night and see people with little children freezing there, it's cold at night, I mean, you have no choice. At his church, now a shelter, we meet Bogdan, who tells us he's lost touch with his wife and four children after the home where they were staying without him was bombed. He hasn't heard from them in nearly a week. You don't know where your family is? Yeah, right I know that they're uh, not in Ukraine, go, but don't know where. We're also seeing the first survivors from the siege in Mariupol make the treacherous journey out of the ravaged city and into western Ukraine. At a children's hospital, we meet Oksana and her eight-year-old son. Not only is his country at war, he's fighting cancer. He's scared. He's exhausted, Oksana tells us. We lived in a basement for three weeks. But there are glimmers of hope. After we first spoke, Bogdan finally got a hold of his wife and kids. They're somewhere in Poland, heading to Germany. I think uh, God is listening to me and uh, answered. I'm really, really happy. <laughs> and at least one prayer answered there. But for so many of these families, they don't know where they're going to or even if they'll have a home to, re to return to. Now, Chanel, really quickly, I want to introduce you to a young child we just met, four-month-old Gregory. His mother told us they're from eastern Ukraine. They left, or she left her husband behind to fight on the front lines. She doesn't know how long she'll be gone, but she's heading for the Polish border to the shelter there. Chanel, these are long days, but even longer nights. Absolutely. We're sending them love this morning. All right, Gabe, thank you. Meanwhile, President Biden has spent part of his morning assessing where China stands on Russia and its invasion of Ukraine during a phone call just a short time ago with President Xi. NBC's chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander joins us now. Peter, good morning to you. What are we hearing about that conversation? Yeah, Craig, that call started just after 6 this morning, Pacific time. President Biden speaking to President Xi from the Situation Room here. And this is a crucial conversation that could impact the trajectory of this war. The first time the president and his Chinese counterpart have spoken since November. And it comes as top U.S. officials are increasingly concerned that China is considering directly supplying Russia with military equipment. The Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, explicitly warned Beijing yesterday that the U.S. will punish China if that happens without detailing what those consequences may be, saying that President Biden in this call is going to make clear to President Xi that China will bear responsibility for anything it does to support Russia's aggression. Would that mean economic sanctions against China? All that to be decided. China shot back, though, overnight, accusing the U.S. of having a Cold War mentality. And the goal here is to get China, the world's second largest economy, to side with the West and to further isolate Moscow. But so far, Beijing has refused to even condemn the invasion, and it's still a major trading partner with Russia, buying its oil and gas. Meanwhile, President Biden is not backing away from his blistering condemnations of Vladimir Putin. Take a listen. Now you have Ireland and uh, Great Britain and, and uh, you know, uh, the Republic uh, uh, standing together against a murderous dictator, a pure thug who is waging an immoral war against the people of Ukraine. And by the way, Calling him a thug and a murderous dictator, that was just hours after the Kremlin warned President Biden about the stakes of his calling Russia's president a war criminal this week. President Biden not mincing words there again, denouncing Putin really in personal terms, personalizing this war, calling out Vladimir Putin's brutality and blasting his relentless assault on Ukraine as inhumane. Chanel.
time. All right, Peter, thank you. Turning to troubling new details now emerging in that fiery crash in Texas that killed nine people, including seven members of a college golf team. NBC's Morgan Chesky has the very latest on this one. Morgan, good morning. Yeah, Chanel, good morning. And for those impacted by this tragic collision, this update, incredibly shocking. Authorities saying that the driver of that pickup that veered into the oncoming lane, slamming into that golf van, was a 13-year-old boy. And they're also sharing another potential cause of this accident. Stunning new details this morning about the deadly crash killing nine in West Texas, including seven members of a college golf team. Federal investigators now saying a young child was driving the vehicle that struck the team's van in the fiery and fatal collision. A 13-year-old child was behind the wheel of the pickup truck. NTSB agents say sitting next to the child in the pickup's passenger seat was 38-year-old Henrik Siemens of Seminole, Texas. Both died at the scene. We don't speculate on anything. It was very clearly a high-speed head-on collision between two heavy vehicles. The speed limit on the highway, 75 miles per hour. Investigators also revealing new evidence that suggests a failed spare tire may have contributed to the pickup swerving into the oncoming lane. It appears at this point in the investigation that the left front tire, which was a spare tire, had failed, which resulted in the vehicle pulling hard to the left and crossing into the uh, opposing lane. The parents of 22-year-old student Jackson Zinn, who died at the scene, shocked, but say the findings don't change how they feel. We lost our son, and he was great, and that's, that's what we want to focus on. That's what, we, that's what we're all about here, is getting his story out. He was, we just, we're so proud of him. The community at New Mexico's University of the Southwest devastated. Our institution is crushed and broken. But strong. But this morning, some hope. Teammates Dayton Price and Hayden Underhill, the only survivors, are both stable and slowly improving in a Lubbock, Texas hospital. And this morning, we still don't know why that 13-year-old was behind the wheel. Authorities haven't shared the relationship between the boy and Heinrich Siemens either. We have reached out to the Siemens family, who right now is declining to comment. Chanel? Certainly a lot of questions still on that one. All right, Morgan, thank you. Turning now to the pandemic, COVID cases have fallen dramatically here in the United States, down 40% to an average of about 35,000 a day over the last two weeks. Deaths also weighed down as well, dropping 60% over that same period. But now, well, now all eyes are on a new strain, BA2. It's fueling a spike in new infections across Europe now. Dr. Ashish Jha joins us now. He is Dean of Brown University School of Public Health, but soon he is going to have a new role taking over as White House COVID-19 response coordinator, Dr. Zha. Good morning to you. We're going to talk about that new gig uh, in just a moment, but but let's start with this new Omicron uh, subvariant uh, BA2. It's hitting Europe pretty hard now, also Asia. In the past with this virus, what's happened over there uh, eventually seems to happen here. Reasonable to expect that's going to be the same this time around? Well, good morning, Craig. Thanks for having me here. Um, yeah, so BA2 is around. It's, it's in the U.S. as well. We've got a lot of it, not as much as Europe. Um, here's what we know about BA2. 
Uh, we know it's a little bit more transmissible than BA1. BA1 was that sub-variant of Omicron that swept through America in January. So a little more transmissible. Our vaccines, especially if you're boosted, provide the same level of protection. It's not any more severe than BA1. So I, you know, let's see what happens in the upcoming weeks. Obviously, infections are way down across America. I'm not expecting a big surge here, um, but we're going to have to pay close attention and really be driven by data as we have throughout the whole pandemic. Let's, let's talk about booster shots for just a moment. As you know, this week, both Pfizer and Moderna uh, announced that they were seeking emergency use authorization uh, for additional booster shots, although Pfizer's for 65, 65 and older, and Moderna for everyone. Are, are we approaching that point, Dr. Ja, where everyone is going to have to get a, another booster here in the near future? It's a great question. So first and foremost, I think what we know right now is getting those first two shots plus that booster, that third shot, that's the most critical thing. Like, that's how we protect lives. That's how we keep people out of the hospital. That part's very, very clear. You know, the data on the fourth shot, I, I, I got to so examine it. We all have to look at it more carefully. The data has been submitted to the FDA. Uh, it has not been, I think, we're, has not been widely available yet. I think we want to be driven by the evidence. It may very well end up being that the fourth shot is helpful, particularly for high-risk people. Um, we want to see the full set of data and then I think make a decision after that. Uh, spring break underway in, in, in a lot of parts of this country right now. As you know, uh, a lot of the mitigation um, efforts have been rolled back, mask mandates rolled back. D did we do it all too soon? Are you at all concerned or uh, do you think we're going to be okay? I actually think we're going to be okay. You know, for a couple of months, Craig, I've been saying that as infections fall, uh, it's reasonable uh, to lift those mask mandates. As hospitalizations fall, reasonable to lift a lot of those restrictions. If you look at the CDC map right now, about 90% of the country is in pretty good shape. So I think in those places, uh, we don't need substantial mitigation efforts. Uh, and, and we want to see what happens in the, in the weeks and, and months ahead. I'm also hopeful that just better, warmer weather, people spending more time outside, yeah. That's going to be helpful as well. Really quickly before I let you go, congrats on the new gig. White House COVID-19 response coordinator. Uh, what's going to be the first order of business? Yeah, you know, Craig, as much as we all wish, the pandemic is not over. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do to prepare for future surges, to prefer, prepare for future variants if we get them. Uh, so the, the first order of business is the president has laid out a really comprehensive plan for how we prepare. And it's about executing on that plan. It's about making sure we have enough tests and vaccines and therapeutics and masks. It's about vaccinating the world so that uh, we can get this pandemic finally behind us. We've got to execute on that plan. That's what I'm going to be focused on when I joined the administration. Well, congratulations. And for a, a poor kid from India who immigrated to this country without speaking a lick of English, it's turned out pretty well. Uh, we're proud of you. Thank you, Dr. Shah. Have a good weekend, sir. It's an honor. Thank you. All Thank right. you. Time now to say good morning to Al and get our first check of the weather. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. We've got a lot of severe weather to talk about, not just for this weekend, but into next week. We already have tornado watches up now for a good portion of the Gulf Coast. We also have severe thunderstorm watches. You can see very active going on right now. So for today, we've got an enhanced risk down through the lower Gulf, but all the way to Nashville. Tomorrow, from Binghamton, New York, to Tallahassee. But look at this. Very unusual. We've got an enhanced risk 
risk for Monday, for Tuesday, and a slight risk on into Wednesday for much of the Gulf. This is relatively unprecedented. For today, though, 21 million people at risk. Mobile, Montgomery, that's the enhanced area. A strong, long-track tornadoes possible. Tomorrow, 12 million people from Binghamton all the way down to Tallahassee. Isolated tornadoes. We've got this warm, moist air coming out of the Gulf. That's going to fuel these storms. And we've got a strong upper-level low that's going to be enhancing this storm development. Continues to push to the east today. Rain, wet snow for the Midwest. Severe storms rumbling through the southeast. On into tomorrow, wet weather for much of the northeast. Heavy rain making its way from New England all the way down into the mid-Mississippi River Valley. We are going to be watching this very closely over the next 72 hours. And that's your latest weather. All right, thank you, Al. Coming up with spring break underway and travel returning to pre-pandemic levels. The changes on flights and in hotels you should know about before you're heading on vacation. Also, the Peacocks strutting their stuff <laughs> inside the biggest upsets from the NCAA tournament so far. Plus, those cheerleaders that are behind the game-saving play that went viral teaming up to retrieve a ball that was stuck on the backboard. I love it. This morning, there's... There, there they are. are. Hey, hey, we see your faces now. Those cheerleaders are going to join us live. But first, this <laughs> is Today on NBC. Beautiful smiles. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, yeah. Mm, just take a take a look at this and breathe. Back at 7:30 on a Friday morning, March 18th, 2022. This is the view in South Beach this morning as we count down to Sunday's start of spring. You're gonna have that view in just a few days. Yeah. You start your vacation. Well-deserved vacation. Yes, indeed. You say so uh, we're gonna start though on this Friday morning with a check of your 7:30 headlines. At least six people were killed, several others hurt after a massive pileup on a Missouri highway. It happened on Interstate 57, not far from the Kentucky border. The highway was closed in both directions for several hours. More than 50 vehicles were involved in that pileup. At this point, still no word on what caused the crash, but it's believed to have been foggy conditions, perhaps. 
A Russian court has extended the detention of WNBA star Brittany Griner until May 19th. Griner has been detained for several weeks after Russian officials said they found vape cartridges containing oil derived from cannabis in her luggage at a Moscow airport. The U.S. State Department says it's doing everything it can to see that she is treated properly and to seek her release. Pete Davidson is a no-go for that trip to space that he was supposed to take later this month. The Saturday Night Live star was set to be one of six passengers on the next Blue Origin flight, originally scheduled for next week. But that launch was pushed back to March 29th to allow for some more testing. Davidson is no longer to, no longer able to make the trip. Blue Origin says it's going to be naming his replacement soon. I'm not familiar with Pete Davidson's life or his schedule. But that <laughs> seems like it'd be one of those things Listen, where he's a busy man. you can clear the schedule. But if they say they want to allow for more testing, then in that case, true. you know what, test away. And yeah, then when you're true. ready... Give me a call. All right, now to the excitement of March Madness. It's taken over TV screens from coast to coast, already providing major upsets and some unforgettable moments. All right, well, now let's welcome in those hoops heroes, Indiana cheerleaders Cassidy Cerny and Nathan Paris. Guys, good morning to both of you. Morning. Good morning. This has been so much fun. I was watching your face while you were watching that piece there. Both of you guys were smiling. People are calling you guys March Madness heroes. Cassidy, let me start with you. What has this attention been like overnight? Uh, very overwhelming, but it's been very cool and very interesting to see how many people are have seen the video and are reaching out. And yeah, it's just been really cool. Nathan, here's here's what I wondered. I mean, you guys moved on that ball pretty quickly. Did you take it upon yourselves to to do it, or did someone say, "Hey, hey, could you could you maybe help us out here?" Well, they kept trying different ways, and nothing really was working, and so. All of us kind of looked at each other, and our captain, Ethan, was like, we need the tallest guy to lift somebody up to see so if we can funny. get to the top of the backboard. So I'm one of the tallest on a team, so I grabbed Cassidy, and we said, maybe this will work. <laughs> well, listen, I know this is what you guys do day in and day out, and I'm sure you guys have been cheering for, for, for years at this point. Cassidy, were you nervous at all? No, that, I mean, doing an extension is, you know, something that we, it's like, warm basic. up doing. Yeah. So, but I guess so, like, everyone else, never like really paid attention or watched like the cheer team and what like we normally do and stuff it's probably really crazy to see a girl on top of a guy's hands grabbing a basketball <laughs> <on his> backboard. <laughs> I mean but um yeah I wasn't nervous <laughs> and you really went after it too yeah. I mean that's, that's the thing I and, and the crowd the crowd went wild it was like the loudest cheer <laughs> Of the night, explain the energy there in, in that arena after you snagged the ball, Nathan. Well, as cheerleaders, we're always looking for a reaction from the crowd. So for us to be doing something that gets that kind of reaction um, is kind of a once in a lifetime thing. And it was just so it's cool awesome. to have everybody uh, cheering us on as cheerleaders. So it's oh, awesome. Cool. I'm looking at this picture here. I really hope somebody gets that for you and puts it in a frame. It's a pretty awesome picture oh, there I'm of sure you holding her up. up. Yes. Uh, Cassidy, Nathan, uh, Indiana, should they should have suited you guys up last night. They could have <laughs> used you on the court. Uh, the Hoosiers didn't win, but you guys certainly did. Cassidy, Nathan, thank you both. Have a great weekend. Congrats, guys. Thank you, guys. Get some sleep. <laughs> All right, up next with millions of Americans heading out on spring break, a closer look at the many ways from flights to hotels that travel has been changed by the pandemic. We'll take a look at that right after this. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where one travel comes in. 
With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings, and voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay. Back at 742 with our ongoing series, The New Normal. This morning, an inside look at your next vacation. Yeah, spring break well underway with a lot of Americans eager to get away and cut loose as the nation emerges from two years of the pandemic. NBC's Jesse Kirsch joins us with what you can expect as we all dust off those suitcases. Jesse, good morning. Good morning, guys. Pretty quiet here right now. Still, it's early in the West, but in a couple of hours, you can expect this hotel lobby to be buzzing with visitors from out of town. After two years of some people skipping vacations altogether, this year we're expecting travel and tourism to hit pre-pandemic levels. But if you haven't booked a trip since before COVID, some of what you see might look a little bit different than you remember. From the skies to the seas, travelers are once again flocking to their dream destinations. Being able to get out there and actually enjoy, you know, traveling, it's great to be back. And while many may be itching for that long-awaited vacation, these days hitting the road for some R&R looks a little different. COVID restrictions are rolling back, but some travel changes are sticking around, at least for now. Many hotels cut back on housekeeping services, limiting or getting rid of daily cleanings and turndown services altogether, with some now offering on-demand housekeeping by request. But at higher-end properties and luxury boutique hotels, daily room cleaning services are back. The Points Guy says complimentary breakfast spreads, some restaurants and lounges, gyms, kids' clubs, room service, and even concierges are also absent from many hotels because of COVID. Some tourists with jam-packed sightseeing schedules unfazed by the hotel changes they've seen. The hotel is pretty much to sleep, shower, change, and go back at it again. So it's not really much of a big deal for us. Some hotels also moving to a more contactless experience, turning smartphones into room keys. Others are even offering check-in and check-out on an app. Aboard cruise ships, guests decide how often and when their cabins are cleaned. And mobile apps are now a go-to for everything from menus to dinner and show reservations. While most of these protocols were put in place for safety, some believe they're sticking around thanks to labor shortages. The cost of hiring these people became exorbitant. And the reality was that they could still use COVID as an excuse to not provide these services. If you're taking public transportation or flying, TSA says you still need to put on a mask until April 18th. That mask mandate also applies in airports before and after you fly. Another reminder on your next big trip, that dream destination might look a little bit different. 
And if you're hoping for an experience that's as close as possible to years past, call ahead and find out which amenities and services will and will not be available where you're staying, Chanel. On that note, that's a good point, Jesse. The hospitality industry took a major hit during the pandemic, something that could be factoring into some of the, the cutbacks that we're seeing now. Can they expect to rebound this year with travel picking up? Yeah, no question. This surge in travel right now is great news for an industry that's been hurting over the last couple of years. The World Travel and Tourism Council estimates that the trips coming back right now could add close to $2 trillion with a T to the U.S. economy this year. Chanel? Well, I would certainly love to do my part, starting, <laughs> starting when the show ends. <laughs> Jesse, thank you. I guess you. there's a hint. Yeah. <laughs> She's already in vacation. That's right. I, you know what? I just want to help the economy. <laughs> Speaking of travel, Mr. Roper, how's the weather? Well, I got to tell you, uh, we are a little concerned for a lot of spring breakers coming up in the beginning of this coming week. And here's the deal. Uh, uh, Monday, a storm's going to emerge from the Rockies and develop over Texas. Now, the, this is going to uh, start to fire up destructive storms possible from Dallas to Houston. That's on Monday. Then we continue to see this Gulf moisture come up and out, a strong jet stream. So Tuesday and Wednesday, these storms are going to march across the south, hail, damaging winds and tornadoes possible. So let's break it down. This is next week, Monday, damaging winds. We're talking Shreveport, Dallas, Houston, Austin, damaging winds, hail, strong tornadoes possible. Some of these could be long track tornadoes. We move into Tuesday. The tornado risk continues. Memphis, Tupelo, Tuscaloosa, down to New Orleans, Lake Charles and Mobile. We're also looking at hail one inch or more. And then as we get into Wednesday, we make our way into the panhandle of Florida, Macon, Georgia, Albany, uh, Montgomery, Alabama. So we are going to be watching the next, really into the middle of next week for severe weather down along the Gulf. And that's your latest weather. Guys. All right, thank you, Al. Still ahead, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame response to Dolly Parton's request to be removed as a nominee. Listen to this, why they are politely declining her decline. Oh. Can you do that? I guess you can. Yeah, I guess you can. We'll talk about it after these messages. Coming up, we've got something new for Bridgerton fans. That's right, a special tour of its new set from the stars of the show. I know Al's excited. Yeah. <laughs> travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel.